Hey everybody, just as a heads up, Austin and myself are tipsy verging on drunk in this episode, so if that's something you need to check out for, please feel free. Also, we have a variety of very interesting conversations, some of which tackle uh, morbid stuff like the TV show Hannibal and Attack on Titan, so if that's something you might also need to check out for, please feel free, and we'll see you in another episode. Thanks so much. to this episode of The Hopeless Romantic. I am Amanda Jean. And I am Austin Chant. And this is our anniversary episode, aka we are a little bit tipsy and I am apparently winning in the tipsy game. Austin is lagging. So what this means actually is that Amanda is fucked up (laughs) and I am uh, skirting the boundary of becoming tipsy. I'm not that fucked up. I'm still pleasantly like, I'm coherent, (laughs) which is saying something. I mean... Considering that we didn't plan to get, like, that drunk for this episode, yeah, sure, that's saying something. Keep telling yourself that. You said that that while I finished off my first giant beer. What's hilarious about this is that I have to drink, like, way less because, A, I'm a lightweight, but B, the reason I'm a lightweight is because I'm on testosterone, and to take care of your liver, uh, you should not drink more than, like, two drinks in 24 hours while you're on tea. Look, And so my... My alcohol tolerance has gone down super drastically in the last couple of years while I've been on testosterone Austin. because I, I'm trying not to wreck my liver. What? You only liver once. <laughs> <laughs> my point is that Amanda is weak and drunk. Uh, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Amanda. <laughs> it's been a long journey. I feel like yeah. uh, we have many topics to discuss um, <laughs> to various degrees of effectiveness. But uh, I don't like this. I want you I, to be drunker. <laughs> Drink faster. <laughs> look, I'm almost, look, I am like almost at like 150% of my daily drinks. That's not enough. Why, <laughs> for me, for the podcast, I was gonna say I think that we should start off this top 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 cast <laughs> topic cast podcast of many topics by describing the alcohol that we have consumed thus far all right you want to go first fancy uh sure I would like to state for the record that as a true artist I started off by drinking absinthe I drank but like it. American absinthe it's imported you okay. fuck <laughs> Are you hallucinating? I don't think so. Uh, okay, first of all, I know a lot about absinthe, and (laughs) that was never true. Listen here, cum slut! Also, (laughs) they don't make it with wormwood anymore. Why not? Don't you want to pretend you're at the Moulin Rouge? Uh, I've never wanted that. That's not true. There was definitely a period in adolescence before I understood that that movie was problematic. (laughs) Every movie is problematic. Anyway, uh, I started off by drinking absinthe, um, diluted with water, the traditional way, although I, the first time I drank absinthe, someone did just give me strength abs, strength, strength absinthe, straight absinthe, and I was like, what's this? It's good. And they were like, that's not the reaction you're supposed to have to drinking straight absinthe. So it could have been that, but it, it burns pretty bad if you do that. 
And now I am drinking my favorite beer in the world, which is Ruby Ale from McMenamins. McMenamins. If you ever come and visit us, we will take you to McMenamins and we will put, we will pour Ruby down your throat unless you are not 21 or you otherwise abstain abstain from alcohol. (laughs) Wow. My brain is already liquefied because I'm on deadlines. Yeah. And I spent like, instead of working, I spent like, I don't know, six hours playing video games. (laughs) Whoops. I My brain is liquefied because I'm also on deadlines that were set by Amanda. Actually, um, frankly, you set those deadlines. I mean, yes, they are my deadlines. But... I, I'm trying to stick to them, is the thing. I'm editing Peter Darling right now, and it's slowly eating me from the inside out. It's my most ungrateful and filthy child. <laughs> it is filth. <sighs> I worked on it for like six hours today, and finished a chapter although to be fair that chapter was once three chapters so i'm proud of you a lot of condensing i cut about three thousand words and i don't regret any of them also can't believe you didn't shame me more about those first three chapters frankly i think i thought that you knew that they were just not gonna happen (laughs) 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 they were just not in the cards so by the way mister it's all about my Oh, wait, yeah, what, hey, what are you drinking? What did you drink? So, my first poor decision was when I did a shot, like a a heaping overflowing shot of um, Kraken spiced rum, which, I don't know, like, I can do shots, right? I can do tequila, I can do even vodka, I prefer vodka to absinthe. It was disgusting. (laughs) Austin was witness. And then I followed that shot up by chugging a um, a dark Hefeweizen, dark Weizen, which is a pint, and I'm on my second one. And, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I only said that because my train of thought just went nowhere. (laughs) It didn't leave the station. I would like to say that by, like, yes, I I was witness to your consumption of the shot but it wasn't the shot itself that was the funny part it was watching you wander around the kitchen for like 10 minutes afterwards drinking other stuff and going Ugh, my mouth is ruined <laughs> it hurt me in my mouth area no it was really not good <laughs> after that you were like oh we well i realized we had vodka in the freezer from our previous roommate and i was like oh i should have had the vodka shot or you mentioned it and you were like that was a joke i would not want you to do a vodka shot no i would have done that it would have been better the sad thing is i used to have a really high alcohol tolerance When I turned 21, we discovered that I had just an inexplicably, like for a very small person, um, inexplicably high alcohol tolerance. Would you say you were like a micro person or a fairy? (laughs) That is just a, (laughs) not a, I refuse to answer that. (laughs) Plead the fifth. All right. Also definitely a fairy. (laughs) That's true. But anyway, yeah, I, the first time I got particularly drunk, it took like six drinks. And now I'm like, I mean, Amanda, yes, I'm going to drink this absinthe, but you should know that after that I'm going to drink water for 10 hours in order to recover. And I'll probably, and I'll probably still be hungover tomorrow. Look, I'm just like, I'm steadily becoming an old person who doesn't drink very much. So when I do, my body goes into shock and it's like, what the fuck is this? Because I'm not fun anymore. And so I haven't been fun for a long time. Fuck you. Uh, So I think what we should do, because I'm... It's a... Wait, wait, no. Like, it's a Saturday. 
Yeah. And what did we do today? <laughs> Nothing. Well, no. I take that I mean, back. Worked and and worked and played video games. Yeah. I until five thirty. Worked on my book for hours and basically ate a lot of Sour Patch Kids and sat there going, why won't Peter Pan do what I want him to? And you played Overwatch all day. I played Overwatch and I played Final Fantasy, whatever the number is of the MMORPG with my friends. Yes, I have them. They exist. <laughs> <laughs> Stop laughing maniacally. So, so, so. Yeah. We have our topics. I feel like we already kind of got into one. We'll come back to it. Number two, talk about a project that you have abandoned or put on indefinite hiatus. Hmm. You go first. I have like 20. I know. I was having the same problem. I was like, which one of these children that I've left starving in the cold should I bring in? Um, all right. Uh, okay. So one of my, the first time I almost won Nano. <laughs> Of the many years I have attempted Nano, I wrote this, uh, like, 40K of a story called Don't Ruin Christmas, Kid, which sounds like a Hallmark movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> bad. It's actually a cute idea, but I, I was writing a story about this um, young conservative who moves to Texas and starts working in a law firm, and he's working under this, like, privileged gay dude who is having an affair with a married man, and he's very like, this is all bullshit, and I have a Bush bumper sticker. Even though I wrote that in like 2009 or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Topical Amanda. Topical humor. <laughs> but um, I wrote 40K of this story where nothing happened except for um, character interaction. Like I didn't know anything about how to research law. Except, I mean, I did. It was me. I love research. But none of it I could translate. I wasn't skilled enough to translate it into actual plot. So it was just a lot of like, I went to the office and then I did a lot of shit that I didn't enjoy. And then I went home and then this man hit on me and he called me kid a lot, which is weird. And then the one thing I did research, actually, this is a great segue. I'm glad I thought of this. <laughs> the one thing I did research was like, I studied in Dallas. Okay. And uh, I found a restaurant for them to go have a meal at. And I was like, oh, I'll send them to this restaurant. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't know what kind of dress code this restaurant has. So I called the restaurant. <laughs> hey, <laughs> what kind of dress code do you have? <laughs> and they were very polite. And they were like, well, we're like casual, business casual. Just don't come in with like crop tops and flip flops. And I was like, that tells me nothing about <laughs> what my two upper middle class wasps wearing suits Okay. And then, um, that also, that reminded me of the time when I was writing a story about, um, oh man, that story would have been so good. It was called Burn Like a Healing Hand from a Sisters of Mercy song. Shout out to what a loser I am. And then, um, <laughs> We're learning a lot about you this episode. So much. My per propensity for fucking useless research. So I know almost nothing. I mean, I knew almost nothing about Catholicism, but my ass decided why not write a love story between the devil and a priest or the antichrist and a priest. I'm sorry. There's a distinction there. And my problem with writing that was that I know nothing about Catholicism. So I texted or emailed a friend of mine and I was like, hey, you're Catholic. Can you tell me what's up with like communion? Do you get baptized? What is the deal with your religion? Did you at ever any point explain why you needed to know this? 
Yes, it was a fandom friend. She knew. She was like, all right, I'll explain for your weird <laughs> heretical porn. Which also one time someone said of me when I was 15 or 16, if I asked you to write, if I asked you to write <laughs> about the church, you'd write me like heretical porn in the baptismal font, which is true. <laughs> but <laughs> so I, I emailed my friend and I was like, please tell me everything you know about Catholicism because I know nothing and Wikipedia apparently doesn't exist in 2008 or 7 and um, so she did and then I was like oh this just isn't enough so my ass decided that the best source of information was to just casually call up my local a local oh. Catholic priest oh boy <laughs> and just ask him all sorts of shit and be like I'm writing a novel can you please tell me about this that and the other sir uh oh. Padre uh whatever he was a very lovely man and i never wrote that story and i feel like what's left of my soul told me not to do it yeah no <laughs> don't write this shit <laughs> don't do it anyway that is one of my um wow that wasn't even the abandoned project that was the segue into my other abandoned project the first one i just wrote 40k of it and then realized it had literally no plot and also why would i write the pov of someone that i don't relate to in any way we don't know amanda makes poor decisions news at eight <laughs> <laughs> so i have been racking my brains this entire time trying to think of which of my nine million abandoned projects i should talk about and i just can't pick so i'm gonna say amanda pick a year between <laughs> 2006 and 2010 and we'll talk about whatever the fuck i wrote in that year let's say well mine was 2008 so let's go 2008 Oof, there's some severe regrets also you were a baby in 2008. oh you picked the worst year oh yes. no good oh, boy oh, oh no boy. <laughs> okay so 2008 was really bad i don't let's see how old was i in 2008 what shitty year of my life can i blame for this uh, uh, oh no. Uh, this is not the time for us to do math. You're 15? Uh, that sounds wrong. So, if you were born in what, 16? Okay. I want to say November 16. of 20, 2008. I don't. Math. So, yeah. So, from the time I have, I was about 13 to about 17, I did NaNoWriMo twice or three times a year. No, not a single successful project came out of that. But I would write a minimum of 50k um, in those months. Yeah, I always got something out of it. I, I like to think that I burned a lot of my, like, bad words that way. And in 2008, I wrote, I believe, three um, novels between 50 and 100k <laughs> that were all miserable heaps of trash. I don't even know where to start. I know it started with... I don't remember what any of them were called. Uh... I have I had a problem especially in my in my teenage years and I still have it now as a writer where my favorite writer of all time is Dino and Jones. I've probably said that before. And Dino and Jones is really weird, but she's very intentionally weird. Um and she writes really unconventional strange plots that just kind of they don't really follow almost any true genre conventions they break a lot of rules and since she was my favorite writer i would try to do the same thing as like a stupid 16 year old and uh so a lot of these stories suffered from that the first one in 2008 was this like intergalactic time travel thing that was maybe maybe a little inspired by Yu-Gi-Oh, unfortunately um and 
it had like six main characters, um, including two dudes who were in love, started early on the gay stuff, but they were like bitter rival bounty hunters. And then like a cool third bounty hunter from the future. And then like a space future Egyptian guy. Then they were all on the run from each other in like a series of confusing combinations. And they all fell in love in a series of of confusing combinations. I'm trying to remember. There was like some kind of huge blowout battle at the end. And I think most of them died. That was that. And then... So like Mass Effect 2? Yeah, not unlike that. If you play except it nothing like that at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the middle one was um, so me and uh, Daria, our audio producer, we actually knew each other in high school. We went to these writing camps um, in the summer. We were best friends at the time, and because we were such a pair of like little shits, we they kept not putting us in the same dorms as each other. <laughs> Even though we kept requesting each other every year, they would they be do. like, no, they can't be together. They will be everyone away. horrible nuisances. And to be fair, we pulled shit like we snuck my girlfriend at the time into a dorm disguised as a pile of laundry. Like, <laughs> so they weren't wrong. Um, <laughs> but it was still annoying. And every year we were like, wow, fuck that. Hey. So finally... We were doing Juno Rimo, and we were like, well, we're going to be at this writing camp for a week, but we can't fall behind on our word counts because we're extraordinarily driven 16-year-olds. Driven. Driven. Um, <laughs> and so we are, our dorms were that year, like, next to each other, and so we just put our desks up to the windows and opened the windows and shouted across to each other and wrote until, like, fuck all in the morning and... Uh, did word count sprints that way. And the reason I'm talking so much about my process for that one is because I want to avoid saying anything at all about the actual contents of the book that I was writing at the time. You're a fucking chicken. Because I just don't uh, have anything good to say about it. It was a definitely a fanfic. It was definitely a high school AU crossover sort of thing that was definitely also like supernatural in ways that neither neither of the original canons were and contained like at one point I was desperate for words so I wrote three flashbacks within flashbacks just like I would go I, I would start writing a scene and then be like and that reminded him of the time that he had and then skip back like a decade and then be like and that reminded him of the time that he had <laughs> such and such more I think I've it edited was... that story in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing that I knew while I was writing it that it was embarrassing, and I believe have destroyed it completely. It was, I think, the only time I've ever deleted something that I wrote. I am big on, like, keeping everything. That what? Wait, so that was just, like, the June who gives a fuck NaNoWriMo? Yeah. And then you did NaNoWriMo <laughs> on top of that? You hadn't learned your fucking Oh, wait, lesson? no, no, I remember the third one. Oh, I shouldn't have done this to myself. <laughs> I shouldn't have remembered. <laughs> well, it? actually, no, this is good for me. It's less embarrassing than 2009, so. Haha. <laughs> Invaded. NaNoWriMo 2008 was the unholy combination of Final Fantasy VII and Tengen Topagaren Lagan, um, which are two still of my favorite, favorite things. I love both of those things to this day. It was 
the unholy combination of like a mecha anime and my fledgling political awareness and love for the Barack Obama campaign, which, which was, of course, happening in November of 2008. Oh, God. Um, and I was very fired up. That was when I became a politically aware. So it was very political. Combined with the, like, complete anachronistic genre-bending world-building of Final Fantasy VII, which is a fantasy world that's all about, like, industrialization. And the main character was this, like, inspirational figure who was also, like, an alien. Um, And he was... he had, like, mind-control powers... Um, so he could make everybody fall in love with him and also oh, follow no. him. Um, Problematic. It, it was bad. I, I remember going back a couple of years later and being like, why did I write this Edward Cullen shit? He couldn't read her thoughts. Get it right. Okay, whatever. I never read Twilight. That's a badge of honor in my book. No, I read um, everything that I want to shit on just so that I am shitting on it from my own perspective and not jumping on that bandwagon which is why i unfortunately read all three fifty shades of gray and all the twilight novels that's honorable yeah i try and have honor yeah and so then at some point you found out that like the villain was the exact same kind of alien as the main character and they both had mind control powers did they fuck but no. See, what? the unfortunate part of this manuscript was that I didn't care at all about either the villains or the main characters. I cared about the minor uh, side villains and wound up devoting most of the book to them fucking. <laughs> I, I, if you could, I'm shaking my head. Like, it is very in character, unfortunately. I was, like, obsessed with them. Also, very i'm directly ripped this from garen lagon so don't worry i'll never actually use this in a book but all of the different mechas were like different animals this minor side villain was like him and his code co-pilot and they were in a like a giant spider robot and uh they battled together and um banged a lot and that was most of the the book so well and then i wrote a prequel about them banging oh god that's worse i'm sorry that's worse than all of the other foundation that you laid that's worse austin also i didn't finish it when i got i got to 100k and and the book was like nowhere near done like not even to like the final act and you were like you know what i was like well what if i just wrote a prequel where they banged more i'm ashamed baby yeah. So I thought as this while you were talking about the things that you probably shouldn't have talked about on a podcast. Hey. And I was like, <laughs> what is the moment in my life where I realize that I've gone down the rabbit hole of like up my own ass in my creative, <laughs> creative process? And it's actually, I feel bad about this because it's kind of a call out to someone who will never listen to this podcast. But back in the day, I was co- writing a story and my friend was a voice actress and she would want to like do the dialogue basically audio rping and i'm not an rp or role player but we would do the dialogue and then i would go back record i would record it go back and type up you know a, a sort of different sort of abridged and edited version of whatever we'd plotted <laughs> and the moment in my life that i am glad to bring to you all in case you ever feel kind of what you're writing is too self-indulgent or whatever, is that in a really intense scene, my scene partner went completely silent. And I was like, oh shit, what's up around the bed? I remember this too. <laughs> and 
then in the dead of silence, I heard, I heard things. I heard her singing. The openings <laughs> come what may from Moulin Rouge. Oh my God. Why are we back here? It came again. But she not only sang the beginning of come what may in like a tremulous, very pained voice, like very husky. <laughs> she fucking sang the whole song. And I don't know about you, but it's really hard to not laugh when someone's <laughs> earnestly like RPing singing come with it and like by the way this wasn't like a musical <laughs> we were writing a musical she just decided that the thing that was most evocative in the moment was come what may and she sang it at me and I had to t- I have to take that to the grave so now you do too <laughs> every listener to this podcast has to take that to the grave <laughs> So those were our abandoned projects. I'm going to check our our list of things. So (laughs) basically, I'm just excited that we get to do this because I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time thinking about how uh, THR could be more interesting or could be more professional or could be engaging for the audience. And in this case, like this is the equivalent of you sitting in our front room, you as in listeners sitting in our front room and listening to us heckle each other. if you went to the THR after party kind of similar to that or the Gay Romance Northwest after party that we hosted I'm so delighted because (laughs) really in what other industry do we get to do this right that's true I mean I guess like some industries but they would all be web-based too I just really enjoy it so aside from you know abandoned whips and stuff like that uh-huh. what do you say that you and I in like uh-huh. the space of five minutes or so plots from scratch a romance novel you and I find things that we want to read or want to write and we just sort of spitball it okay all right are you I could do that are you even a little drunk by the way I'm definitely moderately tipsy. I mean, I'm still drinking my beer. I can't believe that. I'm at that stage of drunk where I love everyone. Uh Uh-huh. Which always happens to me. Even me? I always love you. I am a Whitney Houston song. (laughs) Even though we, we argue about description and other things. That's true. Actually, before we get into this, Amanda, there is something I want to say to you. And that's that... So, you know, it's autumn... It's a beautiful fall right now. Um, And before that, it was summer. And before that, it was spring. But while seasons may change, (laughs) winter to spring, I will love you until the end of time. Come what may. That's not our song, though. Austin, what's our song? What's our song? What's the song of our friendship? I don't know. Is it Pony? Oh, yeah, it is. Or is it Fire Burning? Oh. That one's Uh, hard. Hmm. Because we have a lot of feelings about both those. I think on any given day, it's definitely somebody call 911. You know what? I think it's somebody call 911 shorty's fire burning on the dance floor. So yeah. for 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 background on that, no one liked the song um Fire Burning by Sean Kingston except for weirdly me, <laughs> Austin, and then two of my other best friends. Yep. And so we are the lone people on earth who made that song popular and I'm sorry for everyone who don't don't like it. <laughs> doesn't like it. <laughs> 
but you're wrong and shorty fire burning on the dance floor is an iconic lyric and gotta we also cool her down <laughs> i got my red black card and my jewelry oh, you can't see it song. but i just started dancing what a just... guan what a guan <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good song anyway our song is clearly fire burning um <laughs> i still remember when i wanted us to do for christmas like a duet of baby it's cold outside and you didn't yeah do it. yeah i do we should do that for this year for christmas as a bonus for our patreons who just don't want to be exposed to that for our songs. patreons all of our patreons it's all four of our patreons i think they're just patrons oh <laughs> Shut up. You're too sober. Stop uh, this. Cease and desist. Yeah, we started recording and Amanda's like, I don't know, I think you need to drink more. And I'm like, no, 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 let's just do it like this. <laughs> this is ideal. I've actually, you know what, I'm perfectly happy right now. I think I uh-huh. needed to have a release of whatever the fuck is going on in my liquefied editorial brain. I've been working too much lately. I got to the end of this day and I was like, yeah, I do need to get drunk and record a podcast because (laughs) if I look at my fucking manuscript one more time. My boss emailed me and was like, I need to know the word count for Peter Darling. And I was like, I don't. (laughs) Peter Darling coming 2017. (laughs) Peter Darling currently kind of like a tornado hit it. So I... (laughs) want to talk about a, a romance novel okay austin let's pretend that you and i are sitting down to plot a romance novel that you and i are going to write right okay okay i'm ready what is okay either we have a general premise or we have our two main characters you can name one of the main characters and then i will shoot back another main character is this like round robin style or like round robin? i mean we're not gonna fucking audio like exquisite this. exquisite corpse style <laughs> I, as a person who was in a lot of library writing groups as a child, we did exquisite. Oh, so you're better than me? Yes, Uh, that's definitely (laughs) what I said and meant. Um, An exquisite corpse is a uh, form of writing exercise, or just a form of writing, where each author um, builds a piece of what they're doing without seeing the previous part. Shut your pretentious face and just do this exercise with me. I was just... And throw it at me and I will lob you back something else like we're playing Wii Sports. Let's go. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm unfortunately, the inspiration that I have right now is just the things on my wall, which means that I'm staring right now at the chest hair on the... Oh no. The Beautiful art... Of Varric that I have on my wall. Varric from Dragon Age. And my brain short-circuited as a result. I wasn't supposed to remind you of Varric's chest hair that you bought and put on your wall like a pervert. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful art by Caitlin Scannell, who is amazing, by the way, and very talented. Cheers and, to her. Uh, got beautiful art of Varric with gold foil chest hair. Um, it's so good. It's beautiful. I'm not wall. shitting on the art. I'm shitting on the fact. I'm shitting. I'm shitting on the fact <laughs> that you're a pervert who only looked at that and was like, "Yes." Okay, Do look. My like- eyes. My eyes scanned from that to the shirtless Shiro art on my wall to the shirtless Creme art on my wall. I sense a theme. Uh, no. Look, I think the answer here is that you want a hairy bear or otter for the yes. main character. I want a. Do you want a, a dwarf? Cute hairy man. To be the main character. <laughs> Danny DeVito. <laughs> that's not that's not what I meant. 
<laughs> don't shame. All right. Don't so corrupt this. You want? Do you want like a dwarf, or do you want like just a compact, hairy like otter? I don't have any strong preferences there. That's because you're wimping out. Okay, so we want like a hairy man. Yeah, fucking throw your own element in the mix instead of critiquing mine. Do you not know the spirit of this exercise? I am an editor. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I follow behind you and go, mm, really? What do you oh. mean by that? Well, guess what, Amanda? It's time to stretch your boundaries and challenge yourself to engage in a different form of creative work. So put your own element into the mix. All right. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, guess what? What? We're going to have the other main character be a mm-hmm. equally hairy, okay, but very tall mm-hmm. man okay. who has lost at least a limb okay. in a mining he... accident. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, is he Bucky from no, fuck the MCU? You. <laughs> Because if we want to talk about, like, art that each of us has on our walls right now. No, that had nothing to do with it, weirdly. I'm kind of ashamed of myself for not making that connection. To be fair, okay, so when you look at Austin's gay wall above his gay computer (laughs) in his gay room, that is, (laughs) like, if you you come into our apartment, there's rainbows pointing to Austin's room. Um, There's, like, shirtless creme, there's shirtless shiro, there's Varric's gold-plated chest hair. There's just a whole lot of homosexuality in his room a lot of just like you know like temple worship of the of the sexy male form in my room (laughs) i only have a couple of things up but going from top to bottom no pun intended there's a star trek piece of art that i inherited from daria a picture of dorian from our uh the thing you got me for christmas calendar dead ringer a card from dead ringer that heidi very kindly signed me a thing from hannibal another dorian thing a thr bookmark and then art that i paid for of shirtless vulnerable bucky (laughs) then a picture of Jung sook my eel and then uh, a thing that i hand colored in from our pride thing that just says cock bag (laughs) 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 which is the most me part of this wall maybe and yours is just like a beautiful gradient. You have so many colors and they all lean into each other. And then I bought you that other, like on your opposite wall, like every one of your walls are covered in, in stuff. And you have your Achievement Hunter stuff and you have your like... That's embarrassing enough. I have an entire wall of Achievement Hunter posters. I, I bought you the latest one, which I'm kind of pissed about because I feel like they didn't accurately cast the people in the Civil War poster. <laughs> but whatever. Okay. I don't have feelings about that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you have like a gradient. You very carefully determined the color of your stuff. And by the way, we're still 12, clearly, because of the shit uh-huh. that we put on our walls. Before I moved to LA, I was like, I'm going to be a person who doesn't have shit on their walls. Because at one point when I was in my 20s, I literally had posters of the Jonas Brothers on my walls. See, Kill that's me. shameful. <laughs> Kill me and put my body in a lake. Um <laughs> But now I was like, oh, I guess I just can't stand the white space. So I've I've amassed a little bit of a collection. And people are, are totally welcome to send me shameful shit to put on my walls. Are you, <laughs> like, soliciting people to, like, buy you yes. shameful art? I am too lazy to do it myself. Please send me shit. If you think it would match my decor, my completely insane decor that has nothing to do with itself. 
I still love that I spent I spent so much money on this Lee Jong Suk poster. I, it's tiny, and I uh-huh. bought it from China, not Korea, China, and they sent it to me, and it took like a month. <laughs> like, yes, that's the life I live. Anyway, so anyway, so, our book, our book. <laughs> So our two MCs are basically a, a hairy compact man, I assume compact, a hairy man, mm-hmm. an otter or a bear, and then a hairy tall man, very tall, so a bear, I guess, who is um, missing a limb. We don't know which limb, but a limb, and he's not Bucky because I'm not that cheap. Uh-huh. Uh, what's our general genre? Are we like sci-fi? Are we fantasy? Are we contemporary? Um... I feel like I could challenge myself to write sci-fi since I have never really succeeded at writing sci-fi. No, with this, you know what this was? This was a cheap fuck it out because I know your feelings on writing contemporary, Austin. I like writing contemporary just Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. I'll complain about it all day, every day, but at least I'll actually do it, unlike sci-fi, which I won't do. Okay, fair. Actually, I don't know if I've written sci-fi anytime recently. Okay, so it's sci-fi. Space pirates. You know what that means? You know what that means? Space you know what that pirates. Means? Alien genitalia. <laughs> okay, that's not where I was going with that. I was going that's with space definitely pirates. definitely where I was going. <laughs> I feel like... I okay, Amanda, about, I want to talk Amanda, to you about... Amanda, to be fair. Amanda, thing. to be fair. Amanda, if we if I had said fantasy, you would have said, you know what that means? Magical genitalia. No, I wouldn't have, because alien genitalia is the most important genitalia on Earth. And you know why that is? It's because why? of the Star Trek fandom. <laughs> and Spock's back nuts that I have never seen in any other fandom. Back nuts 2016. I feel like Homestuck probably has done that. You know what? Fair. Like, but, I've never been but, in Homestuck fandom, but they're fucking weird and kinky. I'm just going to put that out kinky. there. I will say about Star Trek fandom, they are the OG in terms of tropes. And they yes. did give us back nuts and Spock's double-ridged cock. And then that one time when he had, like, tentacles or, like, a flower. That, that one had time? Prehensile. I feel Look, like it wasn't one time. Also, I don't want it to come across like I'm making fun of that because I earnestly love it. Speechless I once had a very long conversation with someone. <laughs> about <laughs> alien genitalia in Star Trek fandom and how I'm pissed that it hasn't really gone to other fandoms. Come on, people. They're aliens. Anyway, so it's sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. So it's sci-fi, two bears slash otters, one of whom is an amputee. What is, what is its secondary trope? Like, is it friends to lovers, enemy to lovers, amnesia? Like, give it a trope. Don't talk to me about yeah. enemies to lovers right now. <laughs> okay, it's not enemies to lovers. What is it? Uh, I do like enemies to lovers, though. Hey, I just picked sci-fi. You pick something. It's a concealed identity story. One of them is going undercover. Fake dating? I don't want fake dating for this. Fake dating! I mean, sure, that's not the same thing at all, but fake dating. Yes. Fake dating, you fake motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I feel like I should tell you about the time. I used to go to... um, on long drives with my friend who lived in the same city that I did, that I very rarely interacted with, but we would always hang out at like two in the morning and I would take him to Denny's because that's the only thing open at two in the mornings, two in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have conversations with him at a very unmodulated volume because I am not great at modulating volume. And I remember one time um, having a discussion with him joking around and talking about like fake 
book blurbs, and one of them is, if you loved Jane Eyre, but felt like it was missing a certain amount of kink, you'll love the fisting puppet. (laughs) (laughs) And he looked at me and he was like, Amanda, the woman behind us has been sitting frozen with her fork like halfway to her mouth for like the last 15 minutes. Uh, I don't even know why I felt like telling you about that, but the fisting puppet. I went to Facebook and the first thing that was on my Facebook was some dude with a shirt that says Peter Pan. Oh no. And just like a saucepan taped over his dick. (laughs) What? (laughs) I can't even vision. Oh, I get it. (laughs) And I just feel like that's thematically something. I don't want to say appropriate. It's apt. It's apt. It's like, it is apt. It's the world is mocking me. Even though we made a joke about it, I want to talk a little tiny, tiny bit about um, the fact that this podcast is incredible. And I'm very glad that we get to do it because I'm in that stage Aww. of drunk where I love everything. And people actually want to listen to us being complete fucking morons. So <laughs> I'm very pleased and I'm We've very had a glad. Good time. We gotta get run. Yeah, this will be our our one year anniversary celebration. So I'm very pleased, and I'm happy for those of you who have just found us and seen us grow, and for those of you who've stuck with us since the beginning. And I'm also very happy for my co-host who started out as a person I knew on Tumblr through a mutual friend, <laughs> <laughs> and then ended up my roommate and one of my besties. So I'm pleased. Yay! Me too. Also, <laughs> you're like, oh. Take this saccharine celebration of joy away from me. <laughs> it is me, though. I'm half the time. Half the time, I'm like a person who cries at kitten videos, and half the time, I'm like, Ugh. emotions? Yeah, we're what the same. Mean? But I am. Like, this has been a really cool uh, opportunity to just talk and meet so many people. And yeah. we have had so many cool conversations as a result of this podcast, every guest that we've had on the episode, everybody that we've talked to on Twitter as a result of doing the podcast, it's been really cool. So. Yeah, and I i mean, we have plans for what THR will be in the coming months and years, and there's things that we haven't done that we really want to. Like, we've had a couple of um, just episodes fall through that we think are really crucial to the, the conversation. Like, we've really wanted to have a lesbian episode because we've had so many other letters of the acronym. We really want to have an ACE episode, and we really want to feature more authors of color, which is so important to both of us, but has been tricky because there aren't actually a ton. Um who are available anyway. But we love this podcast and we really appreciate you sticking with us through our ups and downs and our erratic posting schedule. <laughs> it's it's a labor of love and we appreciate it. And we're glad that it's not just us screaming into microphones in various rooms of the apartment. So A plus listeners. Yeah, you're so, all good. I feel like before my buzz wears off. <laughs> I'm going to try to cook after this, which is the real danger zone. I mean, I'll watch you do it. Yeah, I I started marinating the pork for kimchi fried rice, and we're gonna see what happens. Will you give and me then? Like, will you give me like half a serving of your perfect kimchi fried rice? Of course, friend. Thank you. <laughs> That's and honestly then, touching. <laughs> and then uh, I'm gonna see if I can play Drunk Destiny, which oof oof oof. I mean, maybe. as I was telling I was telling Amanda earlier, I have learned that with me and drunk and video games, there is a 
magic window where I become hyper competent, followed immediately by a very long window where I am utterly bad <laughs> and will probably destroy my my kill death ratio. This is we we kind of agreed that we'd have five minutes of like whatever the fuck we wanted to talk about, and I'm gonna take my five minutes or probably less because I'm not coherent. Um, and you get to think about what your five minutes is. And oh, I know. Be- you better not be Peter Darling me right now. No, it's not Peter Darling. Okay, fair. One of the reasons that Austin and I met was because I was in the Hannibal fandom. And for background on me, I've been in the Hannibal Lecter fandom since I was, uh... Too young. Thir- too, too young. Like, a pre-teen, a teen. And, <laughs> and when the NBC show uh, Hannibal came on, I started watching it just out of um, curiosity. And if you've listened to other episodes, you will know where this is going. I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty good, weird mashup remix fanfic version of the thing that I like. I kept watching it. And also Hugh Dancy is pretty. Fuck his face. And uh, Maz Mikkelsen is a fossilized fish, but he's also beautiful. Fuck his face. And um, I got all obsessed with Hannibal Will Graham, which is funny because my longtime OTP has been Hannibal Clarice because I'm a creep. Whoops. Whoops. Oh, boy. So I I really liked that fandom and I was in it for a while and I did various things in it. Wrote fic. Fun fic. Yay, good times. And then fell out of the fandom because the show jumped several sharks in quick succession. But, you know, sometimes you just can't quit things to quote jack twist or to misquote jack twist which by the way i don't know if you saw our twitter uh rampage one time but austin and i both have very intense feelings about Brokeback mountain anyway (laughs) also i saw a really unfortunate um i saw a really unfortunate hannibal will manip of jack and ennis which made me like simultaneously laugh but also cry i was like don't do this this is fucked up anyway uh will was jack and hannibal was ennis which all right, sure. Uh, so I haven't been in that fandom for ages, but occasionally I check the, uh, the AO3 tag. And recently, all my brain, my deadline-driven brain, wants to do is write Hanagram, Hannibal Will, Hannibal Willgram. All it wants to do is all it wants to read. It doesn't give a shit about the 50,000 things I have to do, the manuscripts I have to look over and turn back in, the manuscripts I have to start. It doesn't care. All it wants to do is be like, you need to have this fucking sadistic cannibal cry because he loves <laughs> this empath. And uh, that's, I feel reductive saying that, but like, fair. And I can't get anything done without my mind wandering. And it's dumb and I don't like it. So in lieu of writing a fic and posting it on AO3, cheers. I am going to tell you that I want to write a fic. <laughs> <laughs> where the issue because like fandom seems to deal and rightly so with uh will's presumed heterosexuality i want to write a fic where will doesn't give a shit what genitalia someone has he's just like hey maybe the thing that was stopping me was the fact that you were like weird and creepy and also a serial killing cannibal not the fact that you have a duke <laughs> He doesn't give a shit about that. And I think that would be nice and refreshing for the fandom because, like, every other fic is Will being like, oh no, genitalia. <laughs> this means everything into my sexuality, which totally would happen to, like, an empath who's literally killed people and has had, like, 
been disemboweled by this dude that's in love with him that's fine like that's the thing that he's hung up on not the cannibalism and serial killing he can get his mind around that but not the fucking i don't know foreskin can't do that (laughs) so i want to write a fic where will's like shut your fucking mouth (laughs) i don't give a shit i will suck any dick that you put in front of me hannibal (laughs) I'll suck your dick. I'll suck your. <laughs> I'll suck the mailman's dick. I don't give a shit. I'll suck my own dick. I don't care. But I also want to make it like Halloween themed. <laughs> and I don't know how to do that, especially because I've been playing so much Overwatch lately that everything Halloween to me is just pumpkins and the pumpkins on Reaper's gun. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this? Your only idea for what Halloween is is, like, throwing candies to your enemy before you shoot them. No, it's Reaper saying, like, death walks among you, and then, like, (laughs) having a pumpkin for a head. So I guess Hannibal has a pumpkin head. Yeah. Or Will plays Overwatch, and then they bang, and Will is just like, joke's on you! I would have sucked your dick back in 2014! (laughs) who gives a shit anyway i don't know i don't know if i have anything to match that in terms of strange intensity and crossover potential shut up i was gonna talk i was gonna talk about attack on titan talk about it talk about your sad gay death i I love attack on titan That's how I'm going to open this. Uh, The way that Amanda feels about Hannibal fandom is the way I feel about Attack on Titan. Um, Is it because... No, I'm going to argue with you about this because I started... I I was so polite and quiet during your section and here you are. You won't even let me talk about Attack on Titan. You don't get to talk because we need to talk about the year 2000 when you were seven years old. (laughs) Anyway, back on track. Uh, So I was seven years old at one point and not watching Attack on Titan at that point. Um, I was probably into some other cool stuff. I was probably playing Pokemon at the time. Um, <laughs> and then try and make me feel weird about. And then when, when I was seven. eight, I was probably still playing Pokemon. Um, and then when I was nine, do we want to go on like this, or can I talk about twenty sixteen? <laughs> Don't outline every year of your life, you fucking overwriter. Just put, <laughs> put a scene break in. <laughs> put a chapter break. Scene in. break. Twenty thirteen. I get obsessed with Attack on Titan, unfortunately, which is, by the way, a really good show, despite everything that's wrong with it, and <laughs> that I Same recommend highly. I have probably never seen such a varied collection of female characters in a show and they're all amazing and like usually when people say I don't see gender I just write characters they're bullshitting and lying and terrible that's usually code for I'm writing sexist garbage in this case though it's not because the creator has said that and genuinely like writes female characters in a very similar way and they're all incredible and perfect and good and I love them and there's some canon canon gay ladies that are fantastic. But the problem with Attack on Titan 
is that I thought I was done being obsessed with it back in 2013. And it was very, you know, it was a very important fandom to me. I like partially came out as trans while I was involved in that fandom. So it was like, it was an emotional time and trans headcanons in that fandom were like really important to me, all that jazz. So it was, it was important. And then I was like, all right, all right, I'm over it. It's fine. Then 2016 rolls around three years later. I no longer need, I no longer need Attack on Titan to support me in my, in my life or gender or anything. I'm a free man. You don't except, have a symbiotic relationship with Attack on Titan. Except codependent. Then I uh I don't want to give spoilers, so I won't, but I meet a new person at a convention and they're like, Oh, such and such is your favorite character? Wow, you should really catch up on Attack on Titan and then gives me like the Doom eyes. <laughs> well that's what started it. I didn't know. Yeah, I was bad. <laughs> and I was like, What do you mean? What do you mean? And then I read how many chapters, like 35 chapters of the manga in about a week, which, and they're about 50 pages each. So it was a lot. I read incredible quantities of, of that show. And for anyone who's not familiar with Attack on Titan, which I realized just now, that may <laughs> not be a, a universal, not necessarily a universal Shigeki experience. No Kyojin? Kyojin. Kyojin, god damn it. <laughs> Shingeki no Kyojin is a an anime and manga and a, a series of video games and a live action movie about a world where in pseudo Germany most of the world has been taken over by titans and uh humanity's retreated between these giant stone walls um and the main characters are in the branch of the military that goes outside the walls and fights the titans and suffers like huge casualties and it's there's tons of like stuff in there about like child soldiers and like corrupt military systems and the ways people behave when they're backed into a corner and it's very very violent very intense it's very intense it's one of the most just like emotionally exhausting incredibly violent all everyone you love dies kind of kind of shows and it's very game of thrones (laughs) yeah and it contains Two of my favorite characters of all time, who I'm going to do my absolute best not to talk about for very long. But good lord, I'm so fascinated by Levi and Erwin Smith. And To the point I... that you almost bought a, bell- b- a belly bone. <laughs> what? A bo- <laughs> to the okay. Point <laughs> I see that the call-out brigade is beginning, beginning now. I was going to buy a body pillow over Erwin Smith. Um, Thank you. I'm glad you could articulate that. Yeah. I'd buy a body pillow of Levi too, but mostly I want Erwin. Anyway, they're just like these amazing... I, I really enjoy shows that take tropes that are really familiar and just tear them to shreds. There's something about those two characters where like Erwin is this... is the military commander and in any other show... The way that he's positioned, he would be, like, the very noble good dude, like, who makes the hard choices and is still a good person and who everybody's like, wow, what a brave soul. We admire him. And instead, Attack on Titan is like, sure, yeah, he is probably fundamentally, like, a good person who does bad things. But, like, also, if you are willing to be the person who, like, makes hard choices that other people can't make, it will emotionally destroy you and... 
you can't do that and still be a good person. Like, bottom line, you can't, like, decide to throw away other people's lives and still be a good person. Whoops. Too bad. There's a lot of examination of what it... uh, Because it's not just character archetypes and it's not just tropes. It's an examination of what it does to people. Which Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of stuff surrounding um, trauma situations and war situations doesn't examine the way that Attack on Titan does. Which is funny because I actually watched the first season of Attack on Titan and was like, never again! That's (laughs) what they... And I I mean, I'm playing the game now. But that's, that's one of the things that they do that is so in its own way groundbreaking because they examine um on a micro and macro level what it does to people to make those decisions and it's not just like he's heroic or he's you know sociopathic it's a combination of both anyway there's like a i feel like there is a nuance there that they get at where it's like just because you might be sure maybe we can examine this from a historical perspective and be like yeah you did the best you could with the situation you had that doesn't mean it wasn't fucked up and they get at the nuance of like whether or not you can justify that you're still destroyed as a human being if you like are willing to throw away tons of human lives yeah cannon fodder is not acceptable there's no good way to do that even if like in the narrative you can say sure that's justified like it's still no like no you you can't do that and still come out of that unscathed and like you still have to know what kind of horrible damage you've inflicted on other human beings and man it's just so intense and then uh levi is like the the ace soldier and he's really badass and cool but like the more you know about him he's very small i'm i'm into it he's a small boy yeah man he's old he's like he's like 30 but he's very he's small. not 30 you told me he was like 35 last time yeah he's I, it's not he's, he doesn't have a canon age but he's like 30 35 he's ageless he's edward cullen yeah he's he's like my height though so i'm, I'm he's very small i'm empowered I enjoy him. um and it's like he, he's this really badass dude and then the whole the, the more you know about him the more it comes off like he just is shattered as a human being basically and he like has given up all responsibility to erwin to like be responsible for all the bad things his he's shitty done. choices yeah his whole thing is like do whatever you're gonna do and then live with the consequences of that and not examining it from a higher level and it's just such a fascinating breakdown of like people in intense trauma situations that's also really and also the military yeah and the military yeah yeah, military hierarchies Mm -hmm. anyway i love that this is (laughs) this This episode just devolved i will say talk about attack on titan for you know what i realized we both have a weird resurgence of of affection and like impulse towards uh fandoms where people are eaten (laughs) <laughs> that's our common denominator is that's true mine are eating all fancy like like yeah. their little muscles or you know what no i'm not mine are like <laughs> oh you you liked that character Stop. you are gonna see them literally <laughs> bitten in half we what a good fun show we're watching <laughs> meanwhile hannibal's like oh you like that character well, we're gonna fridge her and do it in the most horrifying way possible but we're a feminist show <laughs> Uh, the joke's on you anyway i have a lot of issues with hannibal this is not an endorsement i just enjoy that pairing a lot because i like fucked up relationships um so do you want to talk about k-drama structure 
Yeah. Well, I, I feel like this is just this is just the section where we endorse K dramas ex- uh, in general, especially for people who like romance novels. Yes. Because oh, years and also, ago, I what? will say, I will say, you have to be cool with being over invested in like weird, culturally different heteronormativity. But it, it doesn't even matter. No, like, it doesn't. It'll happen to you either way, unless you are fully like, I cannot watch a show with a straight couple in it. You will still enjoy K dramas because you know they what do I it in really do? innovative, interesting, cool ways. What I wanted to sing the song from Secret Garden that he covered. Don't you do it? The That Woman song or whatever. Oh my yeah. god! I don't know it that well. You know it better than I do. I do, but, uh, but I won't sing it. You'll cry. I'm more sober than you. <laughs> you'll. Cry. Anyway, I know I you'll cry because you teared up once singing it at me. <laughs> <laughs> don't pretend that you're cool, Austin. You're not. You uh, cried telling me about a K-drama song that you hadn't seen the K-drama of in like three and a half years. But to, to be, be fair, fair, once once I described a scene from uh, I Hear Your Voice to Daria and we both started crying. Which scene was it? It was the part where she meets her dad and he's the old guy oh, and he's in prison. No. And the, it's so sad. <laughs> You know what I always use as the selling point for I hear, I hear your voice is when um, Suha's character is like left behind at the coffee shop in the rain and she comes back for him and he's sitting and covered in rain and she has the umbrella. Okay, okay, but we have to set the stage here a little bit. Sorry. Okay. So... Years ago, when I first started watching K-dramas, I observed Which, by the way, are Korean dramas. They're like Korean television kind of mixed up with soap operas. They're not even, they're not quantifiable by Western standards. Yeah, they're, it's not a Western genre. They're, they're also really satisfying because they are basically, like, like I've been trying to say for approximately five minutes. <laughs> Shut up. Like structurally almost identical the romances anyway to romance novels yeah and also like they're on steroids because the writing yes. gets a little hanky and they sort of like a serial a serial romance novel where they sort of listen to what the audience is saying which can yes. be good and bad yeah and so they're like they're unlike a lot of western tv shows they're almost always written with an end in mind and they're usually short they're usually like 40 minute episodes that are um 12 to like 20 or 25 episodes long mm-hmm. and they're, um, they're an hour long they're like 58 excuse you it depends <laughs> on the drama <laughs> anyway the drama, yeah. um and they're complete so they never you, get a second season or if they do yeah. it's like the same general idea but with different people or whatever yeah and they're they're really just delightfully everything that is good about romance like they're so satisfying and addicting and the first time I watched one, it was just, like, so... Like, I didn't watch a good K-drama the first time I watched <laughs> was one. Was it Paradise Ranch? It was Paradise Ranch, which uh, is, like, not extremely high quality. But, <laughs> oh my god, it's so fun. I like, can't even find so... that drama to watch it. It's so obscure. What? Anyway. Yeah, no, it's not on Drama Fever. It's not on Vicky. Maybe you should try Google. Anyway. Did <laughs> you... Uh, <laughs> Did you just think you threw down a gauntlet with that? No. I did. 
I did try Google. Fuck you. I bet you didn't. Anyway, K-dramas are great. And if you like romance novels, I highly recommend that you watch I Hear Your Voice because it is an amazing drama about a older woman and a younger man. Yes. And he is psychic and it is amazing and That was the worst endorsement ever. There's a very, 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 very cute man played by my favorite um, Korean drama actor, Lee Jong-suk, who is beautiful. Is beautiful. And um, so if you really like age different stories, but you also like the dynamic of like gender roles kind of subverted, I recommend I Hear Your Voice because she is like the no-nonsense sort of selfish out for herself who gives a fuck lawyer. And he's a precious angel baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And she is like, she is a perfect, wonderful garbage no, queen beautiful. who like doesn't clean her apartment and she's lounges so around good. in sweatpants and doesn't like people she's just and like, is like this. a horrible one. lawyer. She's so awful. And also, secondary, secondary on that show is like, I ship every pairing possible on that show. I ship her with her childhood nemesis slash grown-up nemesis, who's a woman. I ship her with her co-worker, who's like the secondary love interest, kind of, who's beautiful. And I ship her, most of all, with um, Lee Jong-suk's perfect character, angel Suha. Cupcake. Perfect angel cupcake baby boy, who's perfect and can hear people's thoughts because of hand-wavy reasons. And... Um, he has vowed to protect her because of reasons. <laughs> Get ready for heteronormativity and weird cultural differences. And um, it's really good. And I had a lot of feelings. And once Austin was describing it to me and he was like overcome. Although the music on that one's not great. Not yeah, great. no, Secret Garden has really good music. Secret Garden uh, is not oh. as good of a show. No, I actually argue Secret Garden gets more intense, but it's cracked out. Like, it is on seven tabs of acid at any given time, and it only That's gets true. worse. Because it's literally, its premise is, and they don't even introduce this premise until multiple episodes into the series, like five. And yeah, it's, the premise it's very is, far in. They end up, like, there's this rich, spoiled dude who's, like, friends with this awesome, kick-ass fucking girl who's a stunt woman. And he's just like, I'm a piece of shit in my fancy Italian loafers and my sequin jug suits. And I don't like taking the elevator and I work in a mall. I guess I'm the owner of the mall. Who knows? But um, they, their paths intersect. And then they end up on like a retreat and they end up on this like uh, thing and they drink. <laughs> they drink a thing that swaps their bodies. And every time it rains, their bodies swap. So they have to effectively assume each other's lives. Look look <laughs> it's amazing too because it sets up like a kind of like a wacky contemporary premise and then like five episodes in they're like it's by just the like way, also body swapping that's the thing sharing, we're doing now the bed sharing austin yeah see this is the great thing about k-dramas like every trope that you know, love is there amnesia? every trope amnesia totally there Rags bed sharing to totally riches? there fake dating totally there Rags to riches, 100%. Everything is there, and it's all, like, so well done. Trauma? And so gripping death and family? so fun. Yeah. 
Please Everything about that. Seaward Garden is shit, but I love it. I love it. I also love it because our favorite eel, Lee Jong Suk, was also in that as like this gay singer songwriter who has a thing with the dude who ended up being in I Hear Your Voice. I don't yeah. know. There's a lot of weird shit it's, going it's on. It's kind of like British dramas yeah, where like you see everything. the same act- actors over the, and over and over again. The actress, which, which is also fun. Yeah, it's also fun. The fucking actor who played the bad guy and I Hear Your Voice plays a very, like, a briefly there but very call-out version of a bad guy in Pinocchio, which Lee Jong-suk was also in. And notably, the actress who plays the mom in I Hear Your Voice is the mom of some rich character in Pinocchio. I was like, stop! You guys (laughs) need to stop! My brain can't take this! Um, But yeah, the thing about K-dramas is... The thing that I love about romance novels is sometimes the stories can be deeply personal and elevated, but also they're just like pressing on the bruise of your id and they're also escapism. Like, I don't watch K-dramas. I, I joked one time, um, this is a little too real, but I was talking to my therapist about like self-care. I was like, well, I've started watching K-dramas and they're hilarious and great. She was like, so would you consider K-dramas like self-care? And I was like, well, maybe. And I was like, ha ha ha. They are the thing that allows me to experience the full spectrum of human emotion. (laughs) Because they do. (laughs) One minute you're like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. And the next minute you're crying because the theme for the couple is on. Anyway, if you like romance novels, you might like um, K-dramas. You will almost definitely like K-dramas. Yeah, probably. I'm just going to put that out there. Probably. You should should certainly try it you should try it and also keep your like keep your mind and eyes open to the fact that this is going to be very different from um stuff if you consume a lot of western media it will be different but um yeah yeah there there are some very similar tropes that are clearly universal there are also some culturally different tropes Mm -hmm. but it and just behavior you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter they're so good I went from, like, I'm a very cynical person. I'm the editor who spends a lot of time being like, but why? Like, you haven't explicated, you haven't set enough groundwork for these characters to be attracted to each other and love with each other, whatever. You haven't earned it. And then in a K-drama, I'm like, they looked at each other. I'm crying. Like, it's, <laughs> it's zero to 500 miles an hour in K-dramas. Um, I think, also, do you think, do you have anything you want to talk about? I think I'm good. Yeah, and I'm, like, sober, so... Fuck off. I'm getting sober, but yeah. Yeah. Let's eat. So... (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to our drunk episode. I hope you enjoyed some part of that. I hope you did, too. Or all parts of that. All of it. It was so Uh, good. And as usual, if you'd like to continue the conversation, although in this case, I don't know what conversation you'd like to continue. <laughs> Which of the Please 50? feel free to talk to us on Twitter. I am at Austin Chanted. I am. <laughs> yeah. I am at Amanda H. Jean. If you really want to talk to me about K-Drama Rex, I've got you. I've got you, boo. Come at me. And that's our show. Whee! Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. This episode of The Hopeless Romantic was produced by Daria DeFora and Amanda Jean, with art by Kesey Young and music by Carly Ann Warden. If you want to continue the conversation, follow us on Twitter at The HR Podcast, follow us on Facebook, check out our Patreon, and please rate and review on iTunes if you enjoyed.